Hello, everyone. Welcome to Divergent Politics. I'm your host, Lara Hodge. I'm neurodivergent, a Buddhist, hyperpolitical, and hyper-online. Because of this, there may be times when my thoughts come across as disjointed or incoherent to people who aren't also all of those. But not to worry, I brought a translator. My husband, Tristan Hodge. Hello. Tristan is neurotypical, not religious, apolitical, and rarely online, except for video games. And he speaks fluent Lara. We've got a great episode for you guys today. Since we're all new here, let's go over the format of the show. We'll ease into things with something apolitical. This week, of course, it was Florida. Then we're getting the heaviest stuff out of the way with the most depressing headline of the week. Tonight, that topic covers suicide, so a listener warning. Then we'll shake that off with something funny. After that, we'll learn a little bit about this week in labor history, which will set us up for current labor headlines. This week, more strikes and rising wages. We're saving political headlines for last, and we'll be talking about how bad things are looking for Biden. After headlines, we will have what we're calling our mutual aid signal boost segment. More on that later. We don't have any guests for this first episode, but if we had any, that would be next. Lastly, we'll try to wrap up loose thoughts from the episode and then end on a positive note. Let's get started. Okay. First up, of course it happened in Florida. That lovely image. So, thanks to CBS News, we're hearing of likely human skull found in the Halloween section of a Florida thrift store. An anthropologist made a surprising discovery in a Florida thrift shop's Halloween section on Saturday. Uh, the North Myers, the North Fort Myers shopper spotted a skull and recognized it as human, according to Lee County Sheriff's Office. Uh, responding detectives also determined the skull belonged to a human. The store owner said the skull had been in a storage unit that was purchased years ago. The Lee County Sheriff's Office is working with local medical examiner to run further tests on the skull. Officials do not believe the case is suspicious in nature, which is maybe the weirdest sentence of the whole article to me. <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird thing to assume based on the information available. Yeah, it <laughs> seems suspicious to me. Um under Florida law, no person shall knowingly offer to purchase or sell any human organ or tissue for valuable consideration. Eyes, corneas, kidneys, livers, hearts, lungs, pancreases, bones, and skin are subject to the rule. Hmm. Officials have not said whether anyone will face charges in connection with the discovery of the skull at the thrift shop. Which, why would they if there was nothing suspicious? Sounds like a, a score. You know, it's probably $2. Well worth. <laughs> probably did get to keep it. I don't know. But apparently, this isn't the first time because in September, the same thing happened in Arizona Goodwill. <laughs> and in uh, the medical examiner's office, in that case, determined the skull was likely not related to a criminal case. Interesting. So, so there's our, our apolitical headline for the week. And let's move right along into the 
most depressing headline of the week. Unless it's yeah, my opinion. Depressing of the week. That's a hard choice. It is. Yeah. That's uh. There's lots of bad news. Uh, it took me a lot more work to find uh, something that was good news. All right. So, GOP mayor dies by suicide after cross-dressing revealed by right-wing site. And this is from Independent News. Uh, it was released oh yesterday. Hmm? Oh, boy. Yeah. A uh, friend writes, I witnessed a good man be public publicly ridiculed and crucified to the point that he just took his own life. An Alabama mayor and pastor has died by suicide shortly after a right-wing site published images of him wearing women's clothes and makeup. Ethel Copeland, called Bubba, was the mayor of Smith Station and served as the pastor of First Baptist Church in Phoenix City. He died by suicide in front of police officers who were performing a welfare check, according to the Lee County Sheriff's Office. Oh, jeez. The conservative site 1819 News published a story about Mr. Copeland on Wednesday. The Daily Beast noted that it was previously owned by the conservative Alabama Policy Institute and it's edited by an ex-contributor to Breitbart News, a larger right-wing outlet. The story was published with the headline, The Secret Life of Smith Station Mayor and Baptist Pastor F.L. Bubba Copeland as a Transgender Curvy Girl. It's a hobby, and I do it to relieve stress. Story, excuse me, the story included the username for Mr. Copeland's accounts on Instagram and Reddit and reported that Mr. Copeland appeared in various outfits, some more racy than others. The site stated that Mr. Copeland used the name Brittany Blair Summerlin, and then he posted porn and shared advice on how to chemically transition. The 1819 News reported that the Republican mayor confirmed that he operated the accounts, saying that it was a hobby for getting rid of stress. 1819 News wrote that Mr. Copeland asked them not to out him, but they did so anyway. This is why you don't out people without their permission. Man, I, I feel really bad for the guy and feel really bad for laughing when I read the headline. But he's, he's complacent in that happening to people I, by being a pastor and a Republican. You're, I mean, you're not wrong there. Uh, seems like he wasn't as hypocritical as some of the others that have come out to be, you know, find out that they have. That's a tragedy for sure. Yeah, of but course. Like, yeah, I feel for the guy and his family for sure. Um, but it seems like, yeah, uh, that's the next thing right here. Is the Daily Beast notes that the mayor did not appear to have taken anti-LGBT plus stances. Okay. So that's, at least good. he's not quite as outright hypocritical as right. lots of the other, you know, people that elected officials that we've had that have been completely against something only to find out that they didn't do that. But yeah. Yeah. Vote one way and dress different that night. Yeah. 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 Like you said, it's a tragedy. Mr. Copeland's church reacted to the story, calling it unbiblical behavior. The pastor is reported to have told parishioners. Screen just moved that the story didn't show who or what I am. 
adding that it would not cause my life to change. This will not waver my devotion to my family, serving my city, serving my church, Mr. Copeland said ahead of his last sermon on Wednesday. Mr. Copeland said he'd been the target of an internet attack and that a lot of things were taken out of context. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people had offered support, he said. Yes, I have taken pictures with my wife in the privacy of our home in an attempt of humor because I know I'm not a handsome man nor a beautiful woman either, he added. I apologize for any embarrassment caused by my, excuse me, private personal life. Oh, man, poor guy. Let's see. It says they attempted to pull him over to perform a welfare check. Pull him over like in a vehicle? I guess. I thought it was at his house. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the school superintendent. Please, uh, yeah. Larry DeChiara, De I'm not sure you say that. Uh, the Phoenix School, Phoenix City School superintendent wrote on Facebook that he was a friend of Mr. Copeland. Please bear with me while I vent. I am so angry right now and heartbroken. I witnessed a good man be publicly ridiculed and crucified over the last few days to the point that he just took his own life today. I knew he was suffering, so I reached out to him yesterday and offered him support and encouragement. He was appreciative and acknowledged that he had been going through some dark days over the last few days. I just want to ask you people who thought it humorous to publicly ridicule him. Are you happy now? What crime did he commit? Some of you people. None. None. Some of you people make me sick. I hope you're really proud. For our brother, Ethel Bubba Copeland, may God bless your soul and forgive those who took pleasure in your suffering. They should all be ashamed. Yeah, that's a lot. You never, ever want to see that, uh, you know, happen to anybody. Um, But, no, no but. There's no but there. No buts. That's uh, yeah. Like I said, most depressing, most, most depressing story I found this week, out of many, many, many choices. That yeah, was just yeah, quite the quite the choice. Yeah, but that not that a lot of it's not needless, but that just the needlessness of, of that just makes me a little sick to my stomach. Uh, I think it's worse to think that it probably happens ten times a day. Oh, sure. We just don't hear about the person because they weren't a politician. Right. Yeah. Like I said, this is, this is why you don't out people. Uh, You know, it wasn't the headline that grabbed your attention, but it happens several other times. Right. Okay. So let's move on to something a little more fun. Shake that off, shall we? Let's do that. All right. This we're gonna do. All right. These are some of the strange objects that get stuck in people's bodies, according to CDC data. This is uh, from Fox News, uh, November 5th. Okay, actually. All right. 
foreign objects lodged in people's bodies was the ninth leading cause of unintentional injuries that led to emergency room visits in 2021, with nearly 278,000 U.S. adults seeking care. More that than is way higher of a leading cause than I would have guessed. More than half of those are sex toys. Technically, anything's a sex toy. Sure. And then my screen just got weird, so give me one second. Yeah, my screen just got funny. Okay. All right, so more than half of those objects are sex toys, according to Dr. Mark Siegel, clinical professor of medicine at NYU Langone Medical Center. I'm not sure I say that. Um, but there is also the factor of people absentmindedly poking themselves with objects, especially in the nose, ears, and mouth. I wonder if that's absentmindedly like walking into something and poking yourself, or like... Something's in your hand and you yeah. absentmindedly poke yourself in the eye with it. I, I have a personal story we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, Dr. Siegel once treated a 10-year-old patient who had a clogged nasal passage that was causing the child a lot of pain. Oh, oh there we go. Uh, it took me a while to figure out that he had stuck a battery up there. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't leak and we were able <laughs> to get it out. I, I have to admittedly say, when I was six or seven, my mom had to take me to the doctor for a BB <laughs> in my ear, like a little in your ear. BB. Oh my gosh! Okay, well that makes me feel way better about my little personal story because when I was it was accidental. Mine was absent-minded. <laughs> I got a little pebble stuck up my nose when I was in preschool. Uh, we're a statistic. <laughs> um. But I was like, I just had it in my, I was doing so much absent-minded as it was a lack of pockets. Literally, like, I found this little pebble, and I wanted to keep it. And girls' clothes don't get pockets, even when you're toddlers. And so I was like, that seems like it would fit right there. And then I couldn't get it out. And I could, you know, got home, told my mom later in the night, she couldn't get it out. Took me to the doctor, and I was not having it, and they kept trying to come at me. They had to put me on what's called a papoose board and they strap you uh, down. Yes, yes. Like, yes, just like they do with absolutely insane people. Mm -hmm. Yep. So they had to do that and then pull it out. Fortunately, you didn't need surgery or anything. But uh, from that day forward, my uh, Uncle Jan called me Rock Nose for, for a really long time. And well deserved. Huh? Well-deserved. Yes, for sure. Uh, eventually, I got a new nickname, which was Duck Bucket, but that is a conversation for another time. Um, so, I guess we can ignore the personal note here, because we moved that up a little. That's okay. <clears throat> uh, in December of 2022, a blogger on Defector listed some of the specific foreign objects found in the CPSC database classified by Orifice. So ears have found a cufflink, wet tissues, a plastic sword, an insect, <clears throat> a rock, a lollipop, 
a charger, which how do you get a charger in your ear? <clears throat> right, I guess. <clears throat> uh, a piece of an ice cream cone, which makes sense probably. Okay. Uh, a push pin, a pencil eraser, and a battleship game piece. Uh, in noses, they found gum wrappers, a used match, magnets, rice, candy hearts, yarn, jewels, gummy worms, orange peels. I bet that smelled nice for a really long time afterwards. Uh, yeah. Uh, an LED light. <laughs> I'm just like, picture like trying to be Rudolph. Is that what the goal would put? I put a little red LED in my nose while I be Rudolph. Uh, flowers, cheese, popcorn kernels, and glue. Um, people have ingested a steak knife. <clears throat> I've heard of pica. I mostly thought that was small. How do you swallow a steak knife? Like, Professional sword swallowers don't actually swallow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Um, like a piece of a steak knife. Sure. Like the whole thing. The whole thing. Seems like it wouldn't. Seems like you could get it out before it goes too far. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Uh, a small flashlight. A glue stick. Pet toys. Coins. Office supplies. Cigarettes. Oh. I don't want to eat that. Uh, aluminum foil. That doesn't sound nice. That's why you would hurt. Oh, damn. Yeah. Like it maybe like a little piece if it was stuck to something, but uh, not, maybe. not a whole mouthful. Yeah. Right. A little ball of one. Uh, hair clips, keys, and darts. Which the dart, like, how did you not perforate your esophagus in that process? Not a very good dart. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was a plastic little cheap dart. No. Uh, Not a good metal dirt. All right. Uh, men and women also visited the emergency room after inserting items into their genitalia. Men specifically, uh, sex toys, beads, paper clips, coins. How do you get a coin in your penis? How? A dime? That's the smallest coin. Open her up. I, I don't think it's supposed to bend that way. Mm-mm. Um, mm -hmm. sorry, I lost my, lost my place. All right. A car key, a pencil, a nail, a ceiling fan, a chain, a cell phone charger, and a wooden spoon. Uh, a ceiling fan chain. Yeah. Not a ceiling fan and a chain. Right. No, <laughs> a ceiling fan chain. Oh, Wow. None of it's real surprising, though, honestly. No? The number of people, like, Sh like being ninth on the list, I that's mean, surprising. Okay. But, but coin, none of these things individually. A, a golf ball? No, wait. No, that's the next line. Sorry, I got too far. A coin. That was the scary one on this. But, like, a wooden spoon? That's pretty big around. Hey, man. People are into stuff. I, I guess. I but, like, do you, most men, like, cry at the thought of a catheter. And, like, that's, you know. Not nearly. Uh, and I, I, I have a feeling that the, the ceiling fan chain is like similar like anal beads in the that. Like, okay. <laughs> like yeah. I can kind of see okay. that one. Yeah. Like of all yeah. of those, that one makes the most sense to me. Yeah, to scale. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Scale. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Like I said, anything can be a sex toy. If you're brave enough. 
All right. A cell phone charger and a wooden spoon. Okay. So women also coins. That's not scary to me. <laughs> like I, I can... That's too dirty to go in there. Sure. Fair. But like, I understand the geometry of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand how that works. A screw. <laughs> Also, that's that's like the throw a hot dog down a hallway thing. Like that's not sure. that doesn't seem like that would do and a really long screw. That's like a couple. I don't know. Uh, a pen, a drumstick. I wonder if it was like barbecue or fried or no, like for a drum. For like a drum, not a chicken. Yeah, like a drum. Oh, okay. Stool. Okay. Not a gotcha. Yeah. Not chicken. I mean, stool. both things are probably true. My brain went to food, not yeah. the music. Uh, both the KFC version <laughs> and the ice cream version are probably true. Uh, a flashlight, a drinking cup, a golf ball, which again, I understand, but seems dangerous to me. I'm not sure how you get that back out of there. Uh, a nail polish bottle and even a spatula. Ooh. All right. Now the butts. Out of rectums, they have removed sex toys, spoons, Magnets, bottles, crayons. The magnet was to try to get the spoon out. Right. <laughs> Put the spoon in, couldn't get out, the magnet after it. <laughs> so now I really have to wrench. Now I have to go to the hospital. Ooh, All right. Action figures. A vegetable peeler. That just seems unnecessarily Ooh. risky. Uh, candles, a fishing pole, and an ice cream cone. Hopefully a different ice cream cone that was in the ear. Same bucket screw going in the butt as then in the ear. Because in the ear, it was just a piece of an ice cream cone. So maybe they tried to put it in the ear, piece broke off. Part and that's then they decided to take it the rest of it from there. You know, the doctor thinks they got they it all out. It as, as most of an ice cream cone. <laughs> right. <laughs> you should imagine the doctor, you like pull a, you go, oh, I guess some of my ears bother me. Cool. All right. We got that out. You're good. Well. The rest of the ice cream cone. They ask the patient what happened. Patient said, I was in a food fight. Right. <laughs> no. Yep, that's my answer. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. Uh, a July 2023 study published in the American Journal of Emergency Medicine found that nearly 4,000 people are hospitalized each year due to having foreign objects stuck in their rectums. Let's not be a statistic on that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why you need safe words and lube. Right. And an exit strategy. Seriously. And like a rope. Like tampons have a string for a reason. Yeah. Like <laughs> whatever you can put up there, you make retrieval <laughs> option. Okay. Let's turn that off. Okay. Next we have. Uh, so this is going to be this week in labor history. Oh, actually, before we get to that, we need to do our shameless plugs. I know it's only our first episode, but we're going to go ahead and get right, get right on those. So if you like what you're hearing and want to support us, we've got several ways you could do that. 
You can sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash divergentpolitics. Just $4 a month gets you access to bonus monthly Q&A episode. $8 a month gets you access to the bonus show plus 10% off your first purchase at the DP merch store. A wild and crazy $100 a month gets you all of that plus the opportunity to join us as a guest host for a future episode of Divergent Politics. When we set up the DP merch store, the default prices gave creators between $0.30 and $30 per item, depending on what products you buy. We don't want to play games with your money, so we changed the prices so that we receive a flat $10 donation per item, no matter what you buy. That way we aren't pushing specific products on you. You can, uh, you can browse our products at divergentpolitics.com slash merch hyphen store. Divergentpolitics.com slash merch hyphen store. We also have a Substack newsletter you can sign up for. It's a mailing list that lets you keep up with any updates we have about upcoming episodes or events. Uh, that's free. You can sign up for that at substack.com slash at divergent politics. And you do need slash at I check. Seemed weird to me, but make sure you have that in there. All right, moving on. This week in labor history. Uh, so the source I have for all of these I found uh, was the St. Louis and Southern Illinois uh, Labor Tribune which is uh, a labor organization, um, their uh, labortribune.com is their website. There's a ton of great information there, but I thought this would just be a they're, good... They're like like a newspaper or are they actually... A labor organization, like unions. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. So this week in labor history, November 6th through 12th. On November 6th in 1887... French transport worker, oh, I didn't move here. Uh, French transport worker and socialist Eugene Poitier dies in Paris at age 71. In 1871, he authored Le International, the anthem to international labor solidarity, the first verse of which begins Stand up, damned of the earth, stand up, prisoners of starvation. I've never heard of him before. I was researching this, so. I have a lot of uh, research to do and knowledge to gain when it comes to labor history. Um, I haven't come at my politics. I definitely have a, a you know, labor politics view, but I didn't come at it from a, a you know, labor it's history horrible. background. Exactly. All right. Um, on November 6th in 1922, a coal mine exploded in Spangler, uh, Pennsylvania killing 79. The mine had been rated gaseous in 1918, but at the insistence of new operators, it was rated as non-gaseous, even though the miners had been burned by gas on at least four occasions. That's a great example of a company using something. Right. November 7th. In 1917, some 1,300 building trade workers in eastern Massachusetts participated in a general strike on all military work in the area to protest the use, sorry, protest the use of open shop 
uh, a work site in which union membership is not required as a condition of employment in builders. Was that for like a like a military base? Heck yeah, I'm not sure. Like I said, I I, I pulled all these over from from that website, but I hadn't heard of any of these. So my goal is to use these as a starting point for for future discussions. Like if we can get just a quick touch point on the history, you know, that'll give us somewhere to move forward. Um, but it took, I didn't, the, the parentheticals confused me to protest the use of open shop, um, a work site in which union membership is not required as a condition of employment. So that means you can work there and be part of the union or not, which makes it really hard for unions to get dues. That was how I, I was uh, the only time I've ever been part of a union. I didn't even really realize it, it was before I was very into politics was when I was at the University of Utah. And it was completely optional. You didn't have to pay dues. So there was no interaction, no whatever. Um, my wages sucked. And <laughs> you know, you got what you paid for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like decent benefits, but, you know. Could like almost afford the apartment with my kids. All right. Um, 1959, President Eisenhower's use of the Taft-Hartley Act is upheld by the Supreme Court breaking a 116-day steel strike. And in 1990, Lamuel Ricketts, Bowler, I apologize for that, <coughs> dies in Delray Beach, Florida at age 95. As GE vice president in the 1950s, he created the policy known as Bulwerism, in which management decides what is fair and refuses to budge on anything during negotiate during contract negotiations. Okay, I didn't know that had a term. Definitely didn't know it was named after a person. Seems like a term that should have been around for a thousand years before that. Right. <laughs> it probably was called something else. Yeah, somehow capitalism specific. Uh, that seems weird. Yeah, I doubt that. I'm sure that was a feudal thing. No, they were doing contract negotiations. So I don't know. All right, November eighth, in 1892, about 20,000 workers, black and white, staged a general strike in New Orleans, demanding union demanding union recognition and hour and wage gains. In 1933, uh, President Franklin D. Roosevelt announces plans for the Civil Works Administration to create 4 million additional jobs for the Depression-era unemployed. The workers ultimately laid 12 million feet of sewer pipe and built or made substantial improvements to 255,000 miles of roads, 40,000 schools, 3,700 playgrounds, and nearly 1,000 airports not to mention 250,000 outhouses still badly needed in rural America. Can you imagine the act of, of God that it would take to get that done today? <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the, the government is incapable of doing that. Yeah. No, they're... Yeah. Or, yeah, it would take an act of God because it definitely isn't going to yeah. take an act of Congress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There, there's no way the government could could make that happen in a reasonable amount of time. We can't. Fifty years. We uh, we're doing 
we can't make lots of very basic things happen and it's sad and scary. Act. Uh, in 1956, in one of the U.S. auto industry's more embarrassing missteps over the last half century, the Ford Motor Company decides to name its new model the Edsel after Henry Ford's only son. Um, I don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I, even someone that works on cars... I honestly thought the Edsel was its separate brand. Oh. I didn't know it was a model. <laughs> That's funny. It's pretty unimportant. Pretty unimportant. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. November 9th. In 1872, 20 people, including at least nine firefighters, are killed in Boston's worst fire. It consumed 65 downtown acres and 776 buildings over 12 hours. 65 acres of downtown? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. That's like basically entire downtown. That's bigger than a lot of towns. Yeah. And, and you know, it's crazy when people complain about needing that, that that prevents. Right. Like, yeah. like that many things burned because of lack of yeah that's why those regulations rules. exist now yeah, like unfortunately those rules have to exist all right uh in 1935 creation of committee for industrial organization announced by eight unions affiliated affiliated with the american federation of labor and in 1938 they formally break with the AFL and become the Congress of Industrial Organizations. So where this is where you get the AFL-CIO. Gotcha. And then in 1952, Philip Murray, first president of the United Steel Work Organizing Committee, <clears throat> first president of the United Steel Workers of America, and president of the Congress of Industrial Organizations for 12 years following the retirement of John L. Lewis dies at age 66. I feel like I should have heard that man's name with as, you know, I'm not super involved in history, historical labor stuff. That's not that far back. No, and it seems like he was solidly involved. Right, yes. I can't say I've ever heard that name. No, so so this is why we're doing this, so we can yeah. have things to come back and, and check on later and, uh, you know, make things we need to learn more about and discuss more about. All right. November 10th. Uh, in 1933, sit-down strikes begin at Austin, Minnesota Hormel plant with the help of a wobbly organizer, leading to the creation of the Independent Union of All Workers. I'm not sure what wobbly is, but I feel like that's another one of those things. Um, labor historians believe this may have been the first sit-down strike of the 1930s. Which it's wild that they would have happened that close together that they wouldn't be able to know for sure. Because again, that's not that long ago. There were records in the 1930s. You know what I mean? So that must mean that several of them had to have happened 
right around the same time to not be able to say for sure. Yeah, or the, the one happened and then it's just a bunch lit up. You know? Yeah. All right. Um, the ship, or sorry, in 1975, the ship Edmund Fitzgerald, the biggest carrier on the Great Lakes, and a crew of 29 are lost in a storm on Lake Superior while carrying ore from Superior, Wisconsin to Detroit. That's terrible. Man, I knew the Great Lakes were big, but I didn't know you could get lost on them. Oh, there's lots of ships at the bottom of the Great Lakes. They have really bad weather. Yeah, I guess that's true. They did ship weather. I mean, not not just wind and stuff. Like the ice accumulation sometimes can be bad enough to sink ships. Oh, I have punctures the hole. Not not necessarily punctures it, but like weights it weird. Uh, you can make a ship top heavy. Oh, so like we were having like when it like they'll roll over, like ice storm like, yeah. type of ice. Got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah that's... Like you, you see, like people are you know sledgehammering ice off the deck and, and stuff. Sure. Like freaking Soviet submarines, yeah, you know what I mean. I just, I mean, I lived in Wisconsin and I've lived through those winters, and I don't go out on a boat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't happen in the winter. We go out on a snowmobile on the lakes in the winter. Like that's what you use <laughs> in the winter to go across water as a snowmobile. When I was a kid, it blew my mind when someone explained to me that you can be on the Great Lakes and not seashore. Yeah, that's for a lake. It's a lake. It didn't make sense yeah. to me. And even that, like, I'm with you, but even that makes sense to me. But to like not be able to get to shore in an emergency is way different than not being able to see it. True. Right? Yeah. Like, well, it's like the visual, like what you can see if when things are like 13 miles or something. And if you're like standing on a flat surface, how far you can see. Oh, before you're looking yeah, at the exactly. curvature. Yeah, exactly. I think it's like 13 miles or something. So if you're 14 miles from shore, you can't see it, fine. Yeah, but right. it still seems like on a boat, it's like you should be able to figure out close to <laughs> 15 miles, like half that distance to be able to, I don't know. That's that's just a big lake. All right. And yeah, ships are also machines, and machines fail. That's true. And they're piloted by people, which also fail. Right. I'm not sure which one more often than the other. <laughs> All right. In 1988, Tile Marble Terrazzo Finishers Shop Workers and Granite Cutters International Union, that was a mouthful, merges into United Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners. That's way easier to say. That was a good it's only shorter choice. by a few words. It's still way easier to say. <laughs> that was a that was a good marketing choice, my friends. That's that was that's way easier. All right, November eleventh. We're almost done with this. Uh, in eighteen eighty-seven, the Haymarket Martyrs hanged, convicted in the bombing deaths of eight people during a Chicago labor rally. Uh, not eight people. A police. A police. Sorry, you're right. Yes. Yeah, that's. We could do an entire episode on just the Haymarket riots, but we're not going to do that tonight. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe Bo someday. Books have been written. 
Yes, exactly. Podcast episodes have been done. Videos have been made. Documentaries have been made. Yes. Um. So yeah, maybe we'll just instead of reinventing the wheel, we'll just tell all you guys to go look into that and, <laughs> and learn some things. All right. A nineteen nine in nineteen nineteen, a confrontation between American legionnaires and wobblies. During an Armistice Day parade in Centralia, Washington, results in Centralia. Centralia? Centralia. That's Josh. How'd Josh say that? You remember? I've heard it said both ways. Centralia, Washington, results in six deaths. Six too many. And then in 1940, a total of 57 crewmen on three freighters die over a three-day period when their ships sink during a huge storm over Lake Michigan. Jesus, another <laughs> Great Lakes. Man, you weren't kidding. This, over three days? You, you're telling me you can't get to, in three days? Like, you can't get, like, it's a lake. Like, most places in the ocean you can get help to you in three. I'm like, I know it's a storm, but. Wait. It doesn't sound like they were in the lake. They were over it. I'm kidding. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. And lastly, November 12th. In 1954, uh, Ellis Island in, <clears throat> excuse me, Ellis Island in New York closes after serving as the gateway for 12 million immigrants from 1892 to 1924. From 1924 to 1954, it was mostly used as a detention and deportation center for undocumented immigrants. The old switcheroo. Sad face. It was, a, it was such a good thing. That's like turning a school into a prison. Yeah. All right. Or like a university into a concentration camp. Sorry. No. Just... <laughs> See, ways to keep making that comparison. All right. In 1966, Chainsaw Al Dunlop announces he is restructuring the Sunbeam Corp and lays off 6,000 workers, half the workforce. Sunbeam later nearly collapsed after a series of scandals under Dunlop's leadership that cost investors billions of dollars. Well, good. Yeah. I hope they cried. Yeah. Yeah, those billions of dollars that the investors lost did not affect their life as bad as those 6,000 workers. No. Each one of those 6,000 workers had a worse time. All right. So now that we're all caught up on uh, labor history for the week, let's go on to what's currently happening in labor news. Hope you got something about the auto strikes. Uh, not a ton because that's kind of well. Hold on, I got over. A little. Yeah. Um. Where's my screen still being pink? All right. So, Farmageddon can close pharmacies as protests spread. This is from NBC News uh, from Halloween. 
Okay. Organizers of the Farmageddon protest told NBC News that around 900 people in as many as 10 states could participate in the ongoing protest, which started Monday and will end Wednesday. So that was the quote uh, in the article from about a week ago. And I've, I haven't found any updates that says it ended. Um, the only updates I found says it's still ongoing. Um, so do, do we know 900 is that a large percentage? No, it's not, but it'll get into why. Okay. Um, I'm just saying when it, the, this article said that the, the protest will end Wednesday, and that was, you know, almost a week ago. And as far as I can tell, it hasn't ended. Because, I mean, it's one of those things you want lots of people to walk out for it to be effective, but I also don't like the idea of people not getting their medication. That's the thing. It's like the nurses strike too. Yeah. So, um, and we'll talk a little you bit could, more. You could just pay these people enough to start with. Right. Um, and actually the, oh, sorry if that was really loud. Oh, good. <laughs> I knocked over my microphone. Um, the, the, they actually, that's the, the next thing. Uh, the protests are notable because the pharmacists don't have a union. They're just organizing by themselves, which is why that 900 number is impressive. Oh, it's not even really about pay. No, and they aren't asking for better pay. They primarily want their employers to hire more staff. So it is about better pay because it's about better pay for people oncoming because that's why they can't fill the roles. Right. Oh, okay. So because nobody wants to work, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to work. Exactly. Um they primarily want their employers to hire more staff to alleviate the workload and to eliminate policies that push them to work faster. They say those conditions are making it more likely they will make a mistake that could harm a patient. Pharmacists and other healthcare workers have complained about those issues for years, even before the COVID-19 pandemic, which made them worse. But the current pharmacy protest started attracting notice after at least a dozen CVS stores in the Kansas City area refused to show up for work in mid-September. They've spread since then. Not a dozen people, but a dozen stores? Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it, I think a problem here, and I don't know this for sure, but if a patient is harmed, like, does that fall on the pharmacy or the technician? Because if it falls on the technician, then they have no, they I, have no incentive. I would assume that, like, I don't know this, but I would assume that, like, if you're going to sue, that that liability falls on the pharmacy, but that employee is getting fired. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So. So both. Um, so um, I didn't cut and paste the entire article here. So the quotes. uh uh, are a little spotty, but uh, the sole pharmacist at any point has three or four customers waiting for him to do something with their prescription, whether it be double checking it or consulting. Every single one of us is jumping from customer to customer to customer all day long. They also said the pharmacy technicians don't usually take breaks. And for many years, the operations manager didn't either. They said the increasingly tough working conditions are being Combined with meager pay raises. 
According to the operations manager, their store fills far more prescriptions than it used to. And at the same time, vaccinations have become a bigger and bigger part of the company's business. Because, I mean, most people get vaccines, you get it at your doctor. And it wasn't really, like, they were available, you know, at CVS, but it wasn't real common for most people to walk into a pharmacy and ask for a vaccine. I'm, I'm just thinking. So maybe flu shot. But. And I feel like any pharmacist that I got to know at all, like had seen more than one time, mm-hmm. was the busiest person I've ever. Oh met. my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. Every time you're in the front, they are just. Yeah. yeah Always sure. by themselves. Yeah. Especially at CVS. Yes. Um. All right. Did you? All right, according to, wait, I already said that. Uh, vaccinations have become a bigger and bigger part of the company's business. The manager said they do, they give about 45 vaccinations on a typical eight hour shift, which translates to one every 10 minutes. So every 10 minutes, you have to stop what you're doing, right. filling prescriptions, and stop and go give a shot, which takes a whole almost 10 minutes. Like, have you ever gotten a... I don't know that there's anyone who works in a hospital that gives that many shots. Uh, I mean, probably a person. Like even a nurse is probably doing a couple an hour, but yeah. not one every 10 minutes. I don't know, man. That's it's wild. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, and I, I assume that's per pharmacy, not per person. So, sure, like, if you've sure. got three people working, but still, like, I mean, no, it's a, the manager gave 45 vaccinations. No, the manager said they shift. gave, yeah, so they could be everybody, not just yeah. themselves. I, either way, you're not getting a lot of other pill prescriptions filled if you're stopping what you're doing every few minutes. All right, it's definitely gone downhill, especially since the pandemic. They said. I'm tired of leaving the front and going and crying in the pharmacy, drying my tears, and then giving people a shot. Look. I mean, that's right up there with Amazon workers peeing in bottles. Yeah. You know, like, that's incredible. It's just gross. It's just gross. It also reminds me of teachers. Yeah. Right? These people, I don't think, would do this if they didn't care to some point. Right. Like, they wouldn't be treated that way. They would go do something else. Right. I, I imagine that that training, you could do something else. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's a care and I want to help. Yeah, people people are doing this because they want to, not because they're going to get rid yeah. of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the pharmacist that they talked to uh, supports the protest, but doesn't plan to go on strike. The pharmacy part of the store wouldn't be able to open at all without them. The company said, so that's what answered your question. Why it was so, wasn't so many. Cause like, they're not trying to yeah. shut down all the pharmacies. They're just yeah. trying to send a message. It, like I said, um, most pharmacies you walk into and have one or two people. On mm-hmm. When, you know, you go to like a Walmart pharmacy, sure, there's 20 people running around back there. Right. But yeah, all these places, one or two persons. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, the company said it is listening to employees' concerns and frustrations. <clears throat> we recognize the incredible work our pharmacists and technicians do every day and have taken a number of steps in our pharmacies to ensure that our teams can concentrate on providing optimal patient care. In response to recent feedback from our pharmacy teams, we're making targeted investments, air quotes, 
to address their key concerns, including enabling teams to schedule additional support as needed. Right. But are they telling them, yeah, you can hire six, three more people, but they can't be more than $17 an hour. Yeah. Then it'll never happen. That's useless, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, enhanced pharmacist and excuse me. Um, and I'm sorry, was this uh, CDS? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, enhancing pharmacist and technician recruitment and hiring and strengthening pharmacy technician training. Like, it all comes down to money. Like they have of lots course. of it and of they need to reinvest, you know, just this much of it back into their company to have a functioning company. It's so weird that this is a thing that mega corporations like seem to forget that like if you don't spend any of your money back on the actual if, process. If you work at a job that if you went on strike for a week, it would it would be that bad you're never going to get a vacation right right yeah. <laughs> not if you yeah, have you're the only one and yeah that's insanity yeah all right all right so that's the end of cbs any other thoughts on pharmacy strike no, I, I, it sounds like they want more of them, and that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it seems very reasonable. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, you got Rite Aid, I get, I heard, is filing for bankruptcy. Which doesn't make sense, because fucking medications are so expensive. Like, how are they broke? But then we go into the local Rite Aid, and half the shelves are empty. Yeah, people aren't I, shopping there. Honestly, in the same breath, though, I don't know how any of those pharmacies are surviving with, like I said, Walmart pharmacy and, you know, bigger store pharmacies. That, that just seems to be so much cheaper. Yeah. All right. So this is something we were talking about the other day that we were, you and I were pretty sure or uh, was going to happen, but seems like it has. Uh, so Toyota hikes wage of U.S. factory workers after UAW labor deals. <laughs> yeah, I bet they did. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Toyota was not part of those negotiations. Toyota is not part of the big three. Uh, Which I, I've been out of the business for a long time. I used to be a mechanic and... 10 years ago ish 15 um it was kind of a known thing that <laughs> excuse me toyota just paid better they, sure. they just took care of their employees as good as the as the union shops so i i, I don't know how true that is that was just a known well, thing well, i mean it makes sense especially based they're the first company i've heard of doing this so far and that's how you keep your workers from organizing is take care of them hey like, i you know, said that when I was working at uh, Petco for a while. Not anymore. I think I can say that and not get in trouble. And uh, I was so tempted to try and start a union because just I know retail work in general sucks. And there was so few of us and I was so close with everybody that I was pretty sure I could have gotten, you know, most of the people on board. But it just 
it wasn't that bad. You know, they yeah. paid us pretty well. <laughs> like, I really liked my manager. So, yeah. you know, I want to be a, you know, I got schedules I, you know, mostly needed. Let so. us be a lesson. Right. Just pay people okay. Let them pet a puppy once in a while. Right. <laughs> and, and no unions will be needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. That's not to say Petco is perfect, but I'm saying I've worked oh, way worse, way worse places. Yeah, and it's still capital. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So Toyota. All right. Toyota Motor said on Wednesday it is raising the wages of non-union U.S. factory workers just days after the United Auto Workers Union won major pay and benefit hikes from the Detroit Three automakers. Excuse me. I'm curious. Did is it says Toyota raising the wages of non-union U.S. factory workers? Do they also have union workers? No, none. Right? No. Okay. Um, not that I'm aware of. I don't think so. Um, the hourly seems like a weird way to word it. I'm with you. Um, but I think I think they're just pointing out that Toyota that that those workers aren't unionized. So of its non-union. Right. That's how I would have okay. phrased it too. I, I can dig it. Uh, all right. Hourly manufacturing workers at the top pay will receive a wage hike of about 9% effective January 1st, which is not bad. What's, uh, uh, oh gosh, what the normal cost of living? Uh, like. I mean, that, that's barely over inflation. Gen like your general, like. You know, annual paid keep up with cost of living is around three percent as a fairly typical okay. like what you're gonna get. So nine's not bad. And yeah, I think inflation eats up like seven of that now, but you know, at least they're getting the two, right? On top of that, everybody else who's getting a two percent is still losing. Right. And they didn't have to strike for this. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the important part. Yeah. No, this is pretty if they strike, it would have cost them twenty five percent. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They'd be they'd be going more than that um but yeah this is to keep them complacent and happy and not organized so we'll see how that works out um so is the nine percent like that's the biggest wage game that they're giving are they talking about other ones uh yeah there's a little more okay uh, okay that's the next one um uh, other non-union logistics and service parts employees are getting wage hikes gotcha the largest, yes, yeah, so maybe it's not as, yeah, this is about 9%. Uh, and that's at the top. So, uh, the largest Japanese automaker also said it is cutting the amount of time needed for U.S. production workers to reach the top pay to four years from eight years and increasing paid time off. So, that's huge. Mm -hmm. If it used to take eight years to get to that top pay level, now it takes four yeah, and if you are not getting raises, like we were just talking about, the cost cost of living is going to make you make it make you not afford to live to work there. Right, which is it's weird that like again, you and I are struggling with this now. We just just moved uh, back to Central Oregon, and all the jobs here don't want to pay enough to, to to be able to afford to live here, and it's like. You and I have been luckier than lots of people we know, but but you know the average house in in Bend was like eight hundred thousand dollars a summer, and 
jobs are one, 17, 18, 19 bucks an hour for, for non-entry level yeah, it's, it's just not sustainable. Yeah. You know, when you're talking, just use X and Y. You know, the 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 cost of the average house and the average wage are not in sync with each other. Right. And it, you know, during the pandemic, like, it, I don't know, for people who don't know, Central Oregon is a very tourist-driven area, very service industry-driven uh, economy. And when lockdowns happened and all the, the service industries shuttered a whole bunch of low-wage service industry workers fled they left they they moved they moved to portland they moved to out of state so many people moved to arizona so many people moved to montana which is polar opposites like <laughs> but but they're gone they're not here anymore and then so then when all of the the companies started opening back up they can't find workers like there's a there's a we're hiring sign on every drive-through um they're all not all but lots are limiting their hours like we have a taco bell here that's not open on weekends taco bell it's not open on weekends because they can't staff it like yeah here's our temporary hours and we're hiring in the same breath you know and then you know complain about both things but can't put it together that it's because you won't pay them enough. Nobody wants to work anymore. They should want to. Nobody come. wants to work and still be poor. Right. right. And, and not, just, not just poor. Being poor is fine. Right. Not being able pay to pay my bills. Yeah. 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 We were talking about like, I could either work 40, 50 hours a week and not pay my bills and stress and pull my hair, or I can not work and not pay my bills. Like still stress, but at least not waste fifty hours a week for somebody else. Like, you know, it's give me more time to hustle for that money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why would I? What's the incentive to work if doing so doesn't take care of my base needs? Like, and this is just such a disconnect. Because you can't just do it again, right? Once once you gave all your time that week, you can't just give it again to make enough money. No, like, you, if no, that's you're all. Take if you're gonna take my entire work life. You need to cover me. Right. Sorry. All right. For years, the UAW has unsuccessfully sought to organize U.S. auto plants operated by foreign automakers, including Volkswagen and Nissan. UAW President Sean Fain said his goal is to organize plants operated by other automakers after the Detroit 3 deal. Quote, one of our biggest goals coming out of this historic contract victory is to organize like we've never organized before, Fain said on Sunday. When we return to the bargaining table in 2028, it won't be just with the big three, but with the big five or big six. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's the goal. I, I I want Tesla to be one of those, just because I want to see Elon Musk's face when they unionize. The the Schadenfreude, like the I I just want to see his face, because fuck him. I I think, I mean, strictly just because of who he is, he he would just close the plant. He, he might. I don't know. He's ego so. His ego's so wrapped up in it, though. He might not be able to. But like we we learned 
not too long ago that they had like the most OSHA violations of any other automaker in history and they're like the newest. <laughs> Impressive. Right? And they're also like, it was like crazy, crazy, just like racist antics happen in the sure. Tesla fact. Like it's so, like if anybody needed a union, it was Tesla. Like, yes, Toyota, that'd be great. But, you know, I didn't hear Tesla preemptively increasing his workers' wages, you know, to stave off organizing. He doesn't believe in that. Now he's got a real fuck the workers mentality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is hilarious since he supposedly runs, what, four companies? Three companies. SpaceX, Twitter, Tesla. What else? No, that's it. Three. PayPal. No, not anymore. He sold that. Not anymore sold that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. But if being CEO is such an important, hard, stressful job that, like, not everybody can do it and you have to have these really special people, how can one do do three of them? It's just that good. He is just, yes. That's smart. <laughs> 4D chess playing motherfucker. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, like, if anything, that is proof that the CEO job is, it is a part-time position. The simplest explanation is typically the true one. You know, can he work like three people? No. He works like... Can that job be less than one person's worth of work? Yes, yes right, can. exactly. Yes, <laughs> At least a third, since, mm -hmm. since he's doing three of them. Well. All right. And then we've got one more labor segment. And this one is a little more close to home for us. This is a historic moment. Oregon teachers launch first ever strike. This is from the Guardian. First? First ever? First ever. So you've been here for a minute? Yeah. Less than some others. All right. Roughly 45,000 students have been out of class in the Portland Public School District since Wednesday when the Portland Association of Teachers kicked off its first ever strike, enlivening dozens of locations in the city with picket lines. Among Portland teachers' official demands are pay increases and improvements to school infrastructure, as well as more mental health specialists to support the growing number of kids in need. Get rid of the cops. Hire counselors. That's it. Like no counselor, no cops, counselors in schools. Yeah, I like, mean, you could even do it, do it a little more skeptical than that, right? Get rid of some cops, add some mental health specialists, record the increase in in value. Right. Continue. <laughs> you don't have to do it all at once. It's fine. No, the problem is, is the, the the response to that data will be like, well, it didn't solve the problem. 100 percent right, so right, right. to cops right. no more counselors it's also just easier right to just give the cops more money than to actually improve anything yes yeah it is all right it feels like more than just a moment i'm assuming that's jack dixon i'm gonna go with that oh jackie jackie okay yeah, like jacqueline Jackie. All right. Forgive us if we're wrong. <laughs> uh, Jackie Dixon, vice president of the PAT, said, 
It's definitely a historic moment for our union, but it feels like part of a larger movement. I mean, if you guys have never struck before, yeah, it's historic for your union. It's the only thing I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've come close a couple times. Okay. Like they've, they they've, got concessions beforehand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That, okay. Uh, so Dixon pointed to other unions that have recently gone on strike, such as the UAW mm -hmm. and that of the local grocery store chain New Seasons for providing inspiration. See, I hadn't even heard of that strike. And I try to, like, you know, stay dialed into to what's going on around that. But I hadn't heard uh, of the grocery store. Local grocery in Portland, I'm guessing? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. New Seasons, I've never heard of it. So. Mm -hmm. Um. All right. And highlighted the nurses of the Service Employees International Union. So that's what you were talking about, like the pharmacists and the nurses. Like there's, uh, actually, let's get right into it because that's the next thing. The SEIU, one of the largest unions in the U.S., recently helped roughly 75,000 Kaiser Permanente healthcare workers negotiate a 21% wage hike after a three-day strike. Let, let me just say that again. 21% wage hike after a three-day strike. Kaiser, is that like they run a bunch of hospitals? Yep. Okay, gotcha. And it wow. wasn't a full strike because they can't shut down the hospitals. Right. So they had to like strike in ships. It was this whole planned thing uh and i was surprised it ended up they were talking like sixty thousand, and it turned out being seventy-five thousand. like ended up being massive interesting and i just is the you know i knew it was coming i knew they were doing it and i've been listening for it waiting for it it wasn't until this article that i actually heard what happened from it like that's a huge victory how is that not something everybody's talking about yeah it's like well, it, it, there's not a there's not a big news company that doesn't have so many employees that they don't want to be telling people about this. <laughs> <laughs> like if I, you know, if I was Joe Schmo capitalism and I had a 1000 employees, I don't want people to know about this. Right. Shit. That's a good point. But I mean, it's like, it's all like, we were talking about how the propaganda is in the framing, right? Yeah. It's not even that we're all just fed lies and, you know, half truths. It's in the framing. We were listening These to assholes shut down a hospital. But I'm talking about like what we were talking about. We listened to that podcast about the mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And we spent an entire hour listening to a New York Times podcast. And they were talking about mosquitoes. And then at the very, very last 30 seconds of it, by the way, breaking news about the about the strike. Because, like, we just spent an hour listening to you talk about something. This is, you could have played this episode at any time. It's been recorded for a long time, right? And it, no, like, that's what they chose to talk about instead of the historic strikes that were going on. Like, it just, it's, it's all in the framing. Like, here's what's important. Here's what's, like, literally the segment is, here's what else you should know today. Like, the last minute of the show. Like, it's an afterthought. It's literally an afterthought. Yeah. What what kills me about this is these are the people that I I really want focused on their job. Right? Yeah, I don't want my nurses yeah. worrying about their rent. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't want them worrying about their next meal when they're sewing me up. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah, my like, like I've heard of you know teachers getting fired because they're doing OnlyFans. Like, okay, that's yeah. Think about Jesus. Why were they doing that? Punishing the wrong person on the end of this this deal here, man. Like. Maybe ask why teachers need to do OnlyFans to pay their bills. No shame in me. I do OnlyFans. That's all. Not do your thing if that's what you want to do. Yeah. But don't do it because you, you have to. to. Yeah. You because know? because you want to teach and you love to teach. And so instead of doing a job that you hate for more money, you do a job that you love and then make sex tapes on the side. Yeah. The whole thing is gross not the not the only fans isn't gross the the, the the low wages is what's gross like the the uh I, I mean it's you know how many people would join the military if they didn't pay for school right the same same, same idea yeah that's the exploitation the exploitation yeah but no that's why we'll never have free college or free health care because then nobody would join the military Nobody like they can't get people to join the military now. Like they are the recruiters are prowling in the, the rich kid high schools. Like that's new. <laughs> that that shouldn't used to happen. <laughs> like, and they're like they can't get people to join. Um so if they didn't have, you know, healthcare benefits and like VA loan benefits and you know, all those other perks that you can have, then nobody would ever join. You get the like handful of people that are like super gung ho to join, and then the ones who are like, no, nah, you are a little too excited. You shouldn't. <laughs> you're you're not the kind that we trust with so good. And then, then those guys go become cops. Again, <laughs> I have no problem with someone who wants to fight for their country. Sure. I don't want people to have to do it. I you know, that's that's the idea. I don't know if I mentioned this so far at this point in the episode. I'm a Navy veteran. Like, I have traveled the world with the military. I really enjoyed most of my time. Um, this was, you know, very early 2000s. I joined and then got out of boot camp and then 9-11 happened. So um, that was my time frame. I was during the Operation Iraqi Freedom, all those things. And I, you know, to this day would tell people, if that's what you want to do, I wouldn't talk you out of it because of the incredible benefits and whatever. Um Hell, even that was, you know, my stance a couple months ago. Now that we've got World War III brewing on several fronts, I don't know that I could, in good conscience, like, encourage anybody to join the military. I'm really worried about the people I know that are in the military. Like, I've got friends and family currently serving, and if these wars keep doing what they're doing and bubble over, they're about to lose a whole lot of people and like seriously talking about reinstating the draft, which is not what anybody wants, right? Mm -hmm. All right, let's finish this up. We got one more little bullet point here and then we're done with this uh, segment. So uh, nurses and teachers have a lot in common and then we are a predominantly female workforce. We're caretakers traditionally. And when we think about pay and it's a gendered profession, it makes you wonder. Well, have they gotten away with not paying educators and nurses what they deserve for so long because it's predominantly female workforce? Mm -hmm. I do feel we have been taken advantage of for a long time, Dixon said. 
and like we were talking about earlier, those are jobs that that certain people are are made to do. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> I my, never my made best friend's job. mom. Um, growing up, she was a she was a nurse. Um, she actually ended up like managing a uh, uh, like a senior care. Um, but I mean, she she killed herself. Yeah, and killed her. She worked sixty hours a week, you know, to bring home barely enough money because she loved it. She loved helping people, and she literally destroyed herself to do it. Yeah, I've never known a nurse who didn't love what they did. It's yeah. not a job you get into on a whim. Yeah. Like there, there are always people who would, uh, you know, give you their last sock. So you have two threats, you know, that's true. All right. So we had our last, um, headline segment of the night is the political headlines. I only did one today. I wasn't sure how long everything was going to run. Um, and basically all headlines are political anyway. Um, depending on how you look at it. So. Um, I went with one that I thought was funny. You already did a funny one. I know. This is funny in a different way, though. Okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if funny is the right word. (laughs) You laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes things are so fucked. (laughs) That all you can do is laugh? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about it too. I mean, it's not surprising. No. But in any any definition. No. All right. So, uh, in Trump leads Biden in four key swing states. New polling finds. So see, I, I see this is CNN, yep. but I, I I heard this from several other places. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where it started. Now this is just a new one that came out yesterday. They've all been kind of around. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. it's their report on the same information. Okay, gotcha. Um, no, that CNN did the poll. What I'm saying is lots of polls have been showing similar gotcha. results. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But this yeah. was a uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this one was a CNN. Yeah. I'll double check my notes. So, so yeah, I've heard this information other, other, but yeah. I'm, yeah. Okay. Alright. So, in Nevada, yeah, Trump 52 to Biden 41, nine point difference. In Georgia, Trump 49 to Biden 43, six point difference. Arizona, Trump 49 to Biden 44, five point difference. In Michigan, Trump 88 to Biden 43, a five point difference. The margin of error caps at 4.8. So every one of these is outside the margin of error. So I, I have a, a question for the non-political people in here. Um, traditionally, how swing are these swing states? Like right dead in the middle? Are these typically red, typically blue? Or uh, is it really? So, so each depends on the one. So Michigan has been generally. Uh, so here, like the last point on this is Biden won all four of these states in 2020. Mm-hmm. So that's. He's going to lose these four states, but he won last time. So Nevada is pretty purple. Georgia has been really red and then went blue for Biden. Arizona has been pretty purple, but is starting to to lean red. And then Michigan has been uh, blue for a really long time and is just finally it's starting to be purple, which is not. 
what Biden wants. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, how surprised can you be? He, he shit on all these people. Yeah. He, he's been shitting on all these people. He's had a successful pregnancy. Pregnancy. Presidency. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> successful that he is alive. Yeah. I mean, that's successful. All right. And last one. The new polling is closer in two other swing states. So within the margin of error. Uh, in Pennsylvania, a state Trump won in 2016, but Biden recaptured in 2020. Trump is at 48 to Biden's 44. And in Wisconsin, uh, Biden takes 57 to Trump's, or 47 to Trump's 45, well within the third phase margin of error. And again, to, to clarify, Wisconsin's typically blue? Yeah. Warm, right. Bluish purple. Right, the blue side of middle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Pennsylvania is like true purple. Now another another you know political insight. Do they typically get closer or further apart as we get closer to the to election day? Oh, it's just, just no, okay. no way to say. Okay. okay, no. Uh, we we could be living in a completely different world by sure. election day. Sure. I mean. Nobody saw the the pandemic coming before that the twenty twenty mm-hmm. election, right? Like, we're right. we're still more than or right about a year out. Uh, anything can happen in a year. Anything can happen in three months. But uh, we're uh, real real far out from that. So that's that's what we have. But I don't see anything. Short of a miracle, swinging Biden back into winning. Oh, I think they're going to end up pulling Biden. I think they're going to end up finding another candidate and replacing him. <clears throat> because I heard something else today. I didn't put the slides for it. There was a different poll. Um, I guess New York Times was listening to again. Um, and uh, the poll was Biden versus Trump. Trump won. But if you replace Biden with theoretical blank democrat versus trump the democrat won and if you <laughs> i mean generic uh, generic blank democrat and if you replace biden with kamala harris versus trump kamala harris won so where, where what was it i think what, it was new york i don't remember what the poll data is i was listening to a podcast oh, okay. this morning okay. but it was like he was, I'm pretty sure it was New York Times. I'm pretty sure he, or what he said was, all Biden has to do is recapture the people that support his VP and not him, and he's going to be okay. Like, it's, it's crazy. He's doing so poorly. And, like, for most people, it comes down to age. Like, he's just bumbling. Mm-hmm. He's just, you know, mm-hmm. not, not doing good. So, uh, Trump's not younger, but I don't know. Biden, I say, like, acts older. We're, we're going to have plenty of time and lots of other topics to discuss all that. Let us move on out of headlines and into our mutual aid signal boost segment. So it's going to be pretty minor for this episode because nobody knew that it was happening. Um, but during this segment, if you work with a mutual aid group or just know of one that you want to shout out, let us know. Um, any chats that we get during this segment, um, on the live stream about mutual aid will be read, even if they're not super chats, if we're on YouTube or 
you know, Rumble Rants. Just any chats that are about mutual aid, we will we will read out loud. Um, if you're watching this, if you're not watching this live and you want to tell us about a mutual aid group, you can email us at divergentpolitics at gmail.com and we will share that info during the next episode's mutual aid signal boost segment. Um, if you send us links or contact information that you want us to share, uh, not only will we share it on the screen here, but we will include it in our episode notes, which are on our website, divergentpolitics.com. There is a, a page for uh, episodes, and in each of those is going to be a link to each episode and the notes for that episode. So if you have websites or contact info you want to Put out to the public, let us know, and that's where you can find that information. If you were listening to an episode and you heard something you wanted to get into, but you were you know, in your car and didn't have a pen, that's where you can find that info will be on uh, the show notes for that episode. We don't have any guests today. This is the first episode. Um, unless we get somebody who wants to do a hundred dollar a month Patreon. We'll have a, a guest host. That would be good. Um, but before we head out, I'll just do one more quick little uh, shameless plug here. Uh, you can support us uh, on Patreon at patreon.com slash divergentpolitics. You can follow us at Substack to receive our newsletter at substack.com slash at Divergent Politics, very important, slash at. You can get all your DP merch at divergentpolitics.com slash merch hyphen store. Again, divergentpolitics.com slash merch hyphen store. And then make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Rumble. Links to all of these and more are on our website at divergentpolitics.com. And if you ever feel like chatting, you can send us an email at divergentpolitics at gmail.com. All right. Do you have any final thoughts about any of the stuff we talked about? Um, I, I mean, I wrote some stuff to dig into from the, the week in labor history. Sure. And there's definitely some, some blanks in there in, in my knowledge. Yeah, I, me too. Um, I want to go in and fill some. Yeah, it, uh, but and I, I'm the more historical one, and some of those were total blanks to me, so I uh, owe it to, to dig. Sure. Um, no, I, I, I want to just talk a little more about the, the Toyota um, race that you put in there. Sure. In... It, it, as much of a Toyota fan as I, as I am, um, I think that's a little more fluff. Um, yeah. The 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 eight year to four year definitely seems like a like a good step. You know, as long as that entire program isn't changed up next year. Right. If they um, don't lay off all the people that are yeah. just over four the between yeah. the four years and eight years. And again, if that nine percent increase was only for some of the people, then some people are getting increases that don't even that don't even match inflation or cost sure. of living. So it, it's almost like it was a a grab for a news story, very well timed, than an actual increase in in those people's uh, uh, living condition. Right, actual. Okay, but I don't know that. That's something I'm going to dig into. 
it seems like it could go either way. It's it's one of those, you know, depending on how you spin the story. Well, I think that I definitely think it has way more to do with staving off future organizing. Sure, like, sure, sure. It's, both of those things could be true. Sure. It, you know, whether whether it's an actual financial incentive, incentive for these people not to strike, or it's a news story that looks like they're doing something sure, that both. can also convince people. Yeah, I think it, it just lube to ease the fucking that they keep giving their employees. Yeah. Like, just yeah. make it a little more gentle, but not gonna. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh... I, I guess also on that, if there wasn't a huge disparance, just uh, the a big difference in the wages between those two workers, they wouldn't have to raise any. Yeah, that was a whole thing with the the UAW strike was getting rid of tiered and like people that have been there a long time versus new employees. Or, no, like, I was tiered. more talking if the difference of what the people are making at Toyota right now mm-hmm. wasn't so different than the new oh, right. UAW. Yeah. That if that if there wasn't such a difference, they wouldn't have to do anything. But that's exactly how labor strikes union strikes benefit everybody oh, everybody 100%. right yeah, like 100%. that's the whole point is like these guys got mm-hmm. these guys got this raise and now the companies you know nissan toyota Volkswagen, mm-hmm. they're gonna have to up their shit because otherwise their employees are gonna leave and go to ford right like that's how that works and then what happens is you get the people who are in like the non-manufacturing jobs at those places are like well fuck you i need more money Right. And then you get the people in those jobs, those industries and other companies that are like, well, fuck you. I can get more. You know, it just, it ripples. Yeah. Like, One thing about the, the auto workers thing that, that I wonder about, again, I don't know this. Like, if you're at X Ford factory and you decide you don't want to work there anymore, how close is the next factory? Probably not close, but people are very close. You and I move all the time. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. It's just it's just one of those things, you know, it's you know, people are gonna hold on that much longer to, right. to shit situations for because sure. the, the the next job that they're qualified for is two hundred miles. Right. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not minimizing if you lose your job, just up and move to another. That's not what I'm saying. Right, right. But I'm saying if if I'm working at Toyota and all of a sudden I can move four states over, you know. And be making twice what I'm making, yeah, 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 and have the housing market go up ten percent, not a hundred percent. Then, yeah, I'm probably going to do that. Yeah, um, but I move a lot, so that's just me. All right, so then the last thing we have is our silver lining closing. We know the topics we cover can be bleak, so we want to try and end our episodes on a positive note. We will try and find a silver lining in the topics we've covered today. If we can't find one, which I'm pretty good at finding them, but it happens. Dark news. Uh, We will instead take a moment to share something we're grateful for today. So today I do have one, obviously, from the episode is all these raising wages. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's 21% from a three-day strike. That's, That's huge. Well, the thing is, for the last, I don't know, for the last six months, it's been it's been better. But let's say for the last couple of years, the, the only records I've been hearing about are profits. Right. For, for a bunch of people that are already fucking rich. Right. So, so I'm Who really doesn't? tired of hearing about that. 
yeah, I'm, I'd much rather hear about workers getting wa getting raises. Seriously. Yeah, like the rich person who gets more money, it doesn't change their lifestyle, nope. like at all. Like it doesn't, their, their day is no different. But if you give a working class person a 20% raise, you are going to markedly improve that person's life. Well, and 20% of that's not nearly as much money as 20% for the shareholder. Sure, right. You know? Yeah, that's true doesn't take much to keep us happy. No, you know? like, no, I think, think that's the thing that our current capitalists have forgotten since, since the, the French revolution. Like if you keep the masses fat and happy, they don't revolt. And we have been, been making, you know, skinnier and sadder for the last four years. Like, <laughs> you can only, you know, squeeze us too so hard before we're, we're going to revolt. Like it's going to, I don't want it to be guillotines, but like the strikes are the nonviolent option, right? Mm -hmm. Like and, and let, let them keep working. Let them keep working. That's a great that's a great thing. But uh, you know, they're not always gonna work. <laughs> not in all situations. Right. Okay. And then so uh besides that, we have Specifically, today's silver lining is that we just finished our first episode of Divergent Politics. You made it to the end of the episode. One and one half hours. One and one half hours. That's not too bad. All right. We hope you guys will join us next week. Um, good night. Thank you. <laughs>